Hey everyone, Will Salmon here, Mississippi State beat writer for the Clarion Ledger, along with Antonio Morales, who covers Old Miss, and this is all about that ache. First, I want to apologize actually for not publishing a podcast for you guys the last two t- the last two Tuesdays. Wow, man, <laughs> say that one like really fast a few times. That that'll, that'll stumble the best um, in the business. Uh, but yeah, well, first time it was Andy Catizzaro's news uh, disrupted the day. Then last week I was sick. I am still not 100%, so bear with me. But we were going, but we are going to make it all up today because I'm excited about this episode. There's so much going on at both schools. Plus, we have a cool interview with new Mississippi State wide receivers coach and offensive coordinator Luke Getze. But you know, before we get to that interview, like I said, there's so much going on. Where where do you even want to begin? There's a lot to. There's a lot. There's a lot of places to start. We have spring football starting at Ole Miss. There's Mississippi State women who just lost their first game of the season. Um, there's the SEC tournament coming up. Um, so I'll let you decide, man. Well, if it's up to me, we're gonna go with some women basketball. <laughs> you know why not? Why not be the only SEC podcast uh, that starts their podcast with women's basketball? There's got to be somebody who does it. I mean, that's the most nationally relevant team in the state right now. So I mean, oh no doubt, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, and this was the first loss, and even like when you're reflecting in the moment versus the day after, I still had the same feeling. South Carolina this, has a number. Is that your feeling? No, not so much actually. Because if they had beat them in the regular season, then then definitely no question about it. But my overall thought was this. It's happened one time for a reason. Now, they've had shooting performances where they've struggled before. The game against Missouri, for example, at at Missouri, that wasn't a great shooting game for Mississippi State. In fact, it may have been worse percentage-wise, at least field goal percentage-wise, for for the Bulldogs in that one. But the difference is is that Missouri wasn't a top-10 team at that point. And South Carolina is. And that was really the big fear for Vic Schaefer was on a night where the shots don't fall, do we have enough to beat a top 10 team? Right now that answer is no. Can they work on some things? What do they have to work on to get there? Um, I think I thought they could have done a lot better as far as uh, defense goes in that game. I thought they were a little bit uncharacteristic, uncharacteristically bad defensively for, for stretches. They got beat in the paint severely in that game i don't know maybe you work on some zone if you're vic schaefer for a change i don't know give you to give you at least the option if you don't have uh the right the right players in place at the right time because of foul trouble i don't know maybe that's maybe that's something he thinks about we'll ask him about that later in the week i guess i doubt it because it's vic schaefer and he's not about that two three zone that's not how you get people in the seats at mississippi state he said so (laughs) Hey, we'll see. But my point is that I don't see too many games like this happening for them where they just struggle to make shots because really at the end of the day, that's what it was. In my opinion, I don't know if South Carolina played well defensively and their length had a lot to do with it, but there were some open shots they missed. I mean, Blair Schaefer went 0 for 5, and I think at least three of them were open. There were good looks. Rochelle Johnson struggled too. And she had some good looks. Vivian's uh, missed a couple that were that were pretty open. So just 
happens, I guess. You know, I, at least once it happens. Was, I saw there was more Morgan William questions about like rotations and playing and stuff. It's like a March tradition now. Like every year, there's gonna be <laughs> Morgan William questions against South Carolina. That's right. Yeah, it's it's you know it's a thing. Um, in defense of, of Vic Schaefer, not really so much in defense, but just to provide some clarity on it. The guys have been making that move for a few games this year in the fourth quarter of games. And when you're trailing, he wants to go with somebody who's going to be able to create some turnovers. Morgan Williams can do that, but just not as well as Jasmine Holmes. Her pressure is so intense. I mean, I, I, I don't know if there's another point guard in the SEC like her. A lot you of opposing it, coaches have said that she'd be starting pretty much any other team. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of like every first quarter, like every late first quarter in football this past year, and everybody tweeted at you like, "Where's Arius Williams?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that happens too. I don't really, I didn't really have, I don't really have a, as good of an answer for the Arius Williams ones. I think, I think one time, it was because. Of some sort of a punishment, I'd have to look back. I'm pretty positive, though. And it was weird because it was like one plight, not even like a whole series. <laughs> and it was like, okay. <laughs> I'm not really sure about that one. Whatever you say, Dan. Um, beyond that, though, like I said, one game. I don't. I also don't believe it's like it's going to really be that huge of a boost for them mentally or emotionally. Like you know how it is. Like some people like to say, like, "Oh, oh it's I good felt. that they lost." Yeah, I don't really buy that. I, I think that they would have had the same mentality going forward into going forward into the NCAA tournament. It seems like there hasn't been like when when some teams are undefeated. There seems to be like a lot of pressure on them, but that hasn't mm-hmm. seemed like that's been the case for them this year. Maybe, maybe because UConn's number one, um, and kind of has that spotlight. But it, there hasn't felt like there's a ton of pressure on Mississippi State, even though they were undefeated. Well, I think a lot of that is true, and part of that is because they lost in the championship last year. You know, mm-hmm. like they know what the, their motivation is has been crystal clear all season. Get back there and win this time. And, you know, halfway through the year, it was discovered that they're probably better than what they were last year. Especially on offense. So the expectation has been there. There's never been any let up. I would be concerned about the way that they started games in the SEC tournament. All three of the games featured very, very bad starts for them where they trailed in the first quarter quarter of games, which rarely happened in the regular season. I think it happened like three or four times. So that's something that you have to be mildly concerned about. If you're, if you're Mississippi State, has to be addressed, has to be fixed. But I wouldn't be too worried about, about the Bulldogs going were forward. You, you know, were, I, you mad? I, were you mad were, about them falling to number four in the AP poll? No, I mean, I don't care one way or the other where they are. I mean, I, I think it's a little... I, I found it a little strange that you lose one game to the defending champion and you fall three spots. <laughs> I thought that was a little bit weird. And they have beaten every team on the schedule this year. 
Like it's not like they haven't beaten South Carolina. Yeah, plus they yeah, like they beat they beat them and they played a pretty tough schedule too, including non conference. So I don't know. I don't know, but going forward, ESPN said that they should still remain a top seed. Yeah, wouldn't and it be pretty shocking if they weren't a one seed? Yeah, it would be. It would be it would be incredibly shocking actually. The big thing for them though is that they don't want to go to Washington because who in the world is gonna to travel to Washington? <laughs> to watch to watch to watch any game. Um, let alone, you know, Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight, not even the Final Four. So that would be tough if that's the case. But right now, it looks like they're going to be headed toward Kansas City. We won't know that for a little while, though. But yeah, definitely not what a lot of people were expecting. But it's tough to win every game. Tough to win every game. It is. UConn doesn't win every game, even though it seems like it. You know, I, I saw on Twitter that they were up like 49 or something like that to 5 at halftime of a game. Did you see that tweet? I think it was 43 to 5, and it was like 60, it was 60 to 11. That's nuts. At, at I don't care who you're playing. That's wild. That's like that. That's like that time I wrote about that baseball game a couple of years ago. Remember? When, <laughs> yeah, when, like, when that high school team won by like 50? Yeah, it was like 45-0. Yeah, yeah. Basically, somebody has to write a column over there saying teams shouldn't play with UConn until the Final Four or something like that. It's just not fair. But uh, you got some you got some women's hoops news, no? <laughs> yeah, continuing with the theme of women's hoops, Ole Miss has its second basketball coaching opening this season. Matt Ensel was and the school parted ways last week after they lost to Missouri in the second round of the SEC Women's Tournament. Um, I, know, I know you were watching that game intently. I was. I, I really was. Um, I was interested. So, you know, and I texted was, you that that I didn't think he deserved to be fired after that game. I mean, one in fifteen in the SEC, like in year five, man. I don't know. Yeah, I don't that know. that that gets you fired, sure. <laughs> but you know, when I was watching that game though against Missouri, I was like, they're playing pretty hard. They're not. They're not good, but they're playing hard. I think it was only a nine point loss. Isn't isn't Missouri pretty good? They are. They're a top yeah. team in the SEC. And one of the top and, teams in the country, actually. And it was a nine point loss. So they they played Missouri much closer than I thought they would, but still uh you know, they parted ways with him on Friday after after five years at the school. I think I think he made the NIT twice. He made the NIT last year and lost to Grambling, which is which is embarrassing. Um then I think they made the NIT in 2015. He obviously inherited the NCAA mess that was going on with that program. So uh, he's gone. So Ole Miss will be looking for a basketball coach in men's and women's basketball. Both both programs finished last in the SEC. First pro uh, first school to do that since 1999, uh, just in terms of worst record um, in both sport in both sports. Um, so it was a historic year. That's tough to do. That's really tough to do. <laughs> <laughs> it was a once in every 20 year kind of season at Ole Miss. <laughs> once in a generation. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's that news. So who do they Friday. hire now? Who do they hire? Who do, who do you, um, 
Who are the names that I've been telling you that they should hire? <laughs> your, your hot board for women's basketball candidates is more detailed than mine, Will. It is. It is. They, they need to hire Kelly Bond-White from A&M. You've been high on her. You've been high on, been high on others. Um, well, the head coach at, at A&M. Gary Blair. Gary Blair was begging somebody to hire her the other day at the tournament. He was like, please hire this woman. Somebody has to hire this woman. The, the Texas A&M route, has, assistant route, has worked well in the state before. Just, that, was just about, that was what I was just about to say. I mean, it would be kind of a copycat move, but hey, man, it works. So do yeah. it. I mean, if you're copying somebody that went to the Final Four and went to National Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I think that's bad. probably the right idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. Sure. I mean, there are a couple of other good candidates out there. In my opinion, this is just pure speculation um, before somebody goes off on the deep end about, the, about this. But there, there are some names that you could go and that would make sense. Uh, Shonda Rig- Rigby at Troy. She's been in the tournament a couple of years, past, the past couple of years. Always has a good team over there. She coached uh, Northwest Rankin, by the way, in the 90s. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, man, I, I did my homework. You know, Ross could, <laughs> Ross could forward, you know, like we said in the, the Slack chat last week, he could forward the, uh, you know, the payment for, for helping him out on the search. <laughs> you're, you're a pioneer in women's basketball coverage. I'm just trying to help you out, man. Just trying to help you out. Just trying to give you some names for your uh, women's basketball hot board that I'm waiting for. <laughs> and then there's the men's basketball search we're dealing with, too. Dad Mata was reportedly at Ole Miss. Is he going to get the job? <laughs> I'm sure if, if he wanted the job, it'd be his right now. That's a good way to put it. Um, Does he want the job? I don't know. I don't know about that. We'll, we'll wait and see. Um, but obviously, that would be obviously a great hire for Ole Miss. He took Butler to the NCAA tournament. And he took Xavier to the NCAA tournament. He took Ohio State to two Final Fours in the national title game in 2007. Um, my thinking is he can, he could be patient given what's going to happen with the coaching carousel um, and other opportunities that might arise, jobs that might be better, probably will be better than Ole Miss. If um, I'm him, I, I, I'm even open to waiting another year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think just that's a, too far-fetched. I mean, I don't know the guy. Uh, yeah, and there's, but, health issue, there's health issues there, too, with his back and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying, like, if you're healthy, though, mm-hmm. and the, if the, the jobs aren't there this year, why not just wait till next year? He's only 50 years old, too. Yeah. I think, I think people might think he's a bit older than that because he's been around for so long. He's been, like, in the spotlight for, like, nearly about 15 years. Um. So I think people might think he's older, but he's only 50. So he could hypothetically sit out another year if he wanted. Man, the end of the basketball seasons, featuring some coaching, some coaching news, different mm-hmm. than the last couple of years here. <laughs> and we still yeah. got what, the SEC tournament going on as well for the men's this week. Bulldogs you- probably have to uh, win the whole thing. To get I was into just the big dance. I was just looking at the bracket and their setup for them. It's they have to play LSU, who they lost to on Saturday. If they win, they have to play Tennessee, who I think is playing the best of any team in the SEC right now. And who they got? And who they got? 
beat in a really bad way just a few days ago. Yeah, it's not, it's not a good setup. They got crushed. Mississippi State. Um, no. It wouldn't be a good setup for anybody, though. I mean, mm-hmm. that's... You have to win four days and four... You have to win four games in four days. Right? Yeah. Thursday, Friday, so... Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> nice nice run while it lasted for, for the Bulldogs. It made things interesting. I mean, they were they were relevant on Mar- on March first. That's pretty. That's pretty good for Mississippi State. First time in a long time. Yeah, I mean, expectations are going to be higher next year. That's that's it's called building. It's called building the program back up. Do you think they beat LSU? Do you think they they win a game? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Do you even watch the game on Saturday? Did you have the time I, to watch I did. It? I, I watched it afterward, like when I got home on Monday, on Monday morning, the, just to give some people, just to give the people some insight into my life and how eventful it is. Um, yeah, I watched. I watched the majority of that game. It, it looked like they reverted back to their old ways of chucking the ball and doing their own thing, which doesn't bode well for the future. But I don't know. Maybe they need to just go into the NIT or something like that. Host you know, the just game. Find themselves again in the end, you know, before the NIT starts. Mm-hmm. Because I just feel like that they they've sort of realized that this is a huge uphill climb here to get to the NCAA <laughs> tournament, and you know, ESPN said that we have a two percent chance, and that's not really high. <laughs> you know, that's that's only normal for them to think that way. So. Not saying that they've completely quit on Ben Howland or, or anything like that, but just the idea of making the tournament at this point is, it is what it is. It's a 2% chance according to ESPN, and that's not good. So, yeah, I think that I won't, I won't judge them too severely one way or the other at this point because I think Hugh Kellenberger was on the money with his column the other day when he said that they were just were not ready, whether it caught up to them emotionally or physically whatever they were just spent and just, well, like, they weren't the ready for those two games yeah when was the last time they've been those players have played in games with stakes like that high like, school yeah <laughs> <laughs> louisiana state championships <laughs> velma jackson three-peat i don't know exactly yeah um, so it is yeah like i said it, it is what it is it's it's building the program expectations will be higher next year and we'll see I don't we'll think old, I don't think Ole Miss wins against South Carolina. Uh no, uh, no, I don't even think that's worth discussing. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> did be South, they did beat South Carolina during the regular season. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't that, think that. That's, that's before things. Again. That's before things bottom, bottom down. Imagine Frank Martin losing to Ole Miss in the in the uh, in the SEC SEC tournament right now. I don't I don't know if he would survive that. <laughs> I don't know. Losing to losing to the fourteen seed, yeah. Wednesday night, a year after going to the final four. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, let's get into some baseball chatter. Football, I guess man. right. Maybe do some little football recruiting. Uh, but before that, we're gonna take a break. Allow you guys to listen to our interview with Luke Getzi. It's a fun interview. It's um, not so much about X's and O's, but we do we do talk about babysitting Joe Moorhead's kids back in the day and what Aaron Rodgers was like at the Packers because that's where Luke Getzey 
came to Starkville from. So hopefully you guys enjoyed the interview. And then we'll resume with some baseball and a little bit of football recruiting chatter before we call this a day. Okay, so I got Luke Getze here. Uh, Luke, Joe had told me once that you had babysat his kids. What, what's that like? And what was that like? What's your favorite experience from babysitting Joe Moorhead's kids? That's uh, funny, man. We, we, I was a grad assistant. And uh, like I said, Joe was uh, a special person to me. He was obviously my coach. You know, I played for him. And so there was more of a personal relationship than just me uh, going over someone's house and, and watching their kids. You know, you know it's, it's like family. And, and uh, it, it was... It was, it's it's crazy that when I when I got here and now he is now, you know Kira is an, is almost she's gonna be a senior next year in high school so that's it's pretty insane but it's it's unique I know it but I it, it think it's just you know, it's the reason why I'm here it's the relationship that he and I had it's the, my belief in him and, um, and you know it's it's that family environment that I'm excited to get back into. So you're smiling a lot when I said that. Are they well behaved? Were they well behaved kids? I know they probably they make you feel old now. No, they were. I think about Mason. He was hilarious. I mean, he was so little, but he—he's he, like Joe. He's brilliant. He has—he—he he read a book to me, but he didn't read it. He memorized a book, and he—I can just remember him reciting that book back to me. No, they were great. They were great kids. And Don uh, was—Don was only a, a baby. I mean, he was like maybe a, a, m- a month old or something like that. Whenever I was watching him, so he was. Now he's now he's this tall. So. It's pretty wild. I just remember Joe telling me that and him being like so enamored with your personality. And, and he was just like, man, I just love this guy. I had to bring him aboard. So I, I also saw when you were up at the press conference just earlier today, when you were, t- when you were talking about Mike McCarthy at the Packers, uh, you spoke very highly of him. What was that like to sort of just break the news to him? Because that's the guy who promoted you as well to the position that you had. So how did you go about just telling him, look, I'm making this move? Well, honestly, I made it with him. He and I, I mean, I, he was the first person that I went to uh, and presented it, and he's that's, that's the kind of man that he is. I mean, he we sat down for a few days uh, at a time, and we kind of just we kept going back and forth. And he he helped me in this decision more than anything. I mean, so it made me feel good about it. Um, you know, we just talked about my aspirations, my dreams, and what what can lead to what. And um, and so I was, you know, I'm forever indebted to him. And I mean, he's a great man, and I'll always, you know, I'm grateful that I always have him to lean on. That's really rare, I feel like, or maybe not so rare, but it's just good to have that sort of sounding board when that's the guy that you're actually leaving. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of an interesting situation. Was there anything that he may have said to you that, sort of, that made you say to yourself, okay, this is the right decision for me, and I feel a lot more comfortable having had this conversation? No, it's, it's com- it is completely unique. Um, anytime you leave anywhere, it's the hardest conversation that you can have with somebody. Um, but the environment that he's created there, I mean, maybe it, it's, it's a personal thing. We're both from Pittsburgh, and, you know, he, I think he, you know, kind of took me under his wing. And um, for me, it was, you know, it's a very difficult situation, obviously, for what a head coach is, if they don't want you to leave or whatever. But to me, there was nothing in, the, in there that, he, that it said, you know, you should go or you shouldn't go. It was just the, the fact that he just took me through a process. It's kind of like when a kid's picking a college. You know, the parents should be there to kind of help you through the process and let the kid pick. And that's exactly what he did with me. So, I, you know, like I said, it was, it was awesome. I was very impressed when I, when I look at your resume and I, see, and I see that, okay, this guy has coached some big-time NFL wide receivers mm-hmm. at a young age, too, different than other guys in the profession. How would you go about making those guys comfortable? And, like, how how'd you go about this – establishing those relationships, knowing that, okay, this is still a pretty early stage in my career and I have this pretty good opportunity at my hands. 
Yeah, I mean, fortunately, I got to be there first and got there as a quality control and got to, you know, you know what I would think is, you know, establish myself and let, let people believe in me. And when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers who believes in you, I think, you know, that helps. You know, that, that for sure was a big, big step to overcome when I first got there. You know, Aaron and I are the same age. So, I mean, that was, I'm, in his, I'm in the quarterback room every day, you know. So that, that part of it was big. And the second part of it, honestly, is, uh, is just like you said, I think, you know, those guys want to be great. And, I, and, and my goal at the beginning was to just let them know that I'm willing to do anything to help them be great. And at the same time, I'm going to love them too. And I'm from a big family. Family's important to me. And I, and I attack the wide receiver room that way. Um, they're my family. And, then, and, and I would think you would ask any one of those guys in Green Bay, uh, and they would all say the same thing. You know, the, the, the environment that was created was one that was demanding but also, you know, supportive. What was your relationship like with Aaron? I mean, being the same age and being star quarterback that he is, big time career, you know, all the commercials, all that type of stuff. No, it was good. I mean, he was really good. I, I really enjoyed my time with him. I think he and I were. I was. I was truly lucky, truly blessed. I mean, to have an open dialect with him. All you know, whenever we wanted to, and just to helping us win. I mean, you know, we grew close, and, and so it truly, you know, it truly is. Uh, you know, a blessing to, to, to be where I was and to be around the kind of people I was. I mean, they're special people up there. There's a reason why they win as much as they do. Down-to-earth guy, Aaron Rodgers. Like, what, what's he like? I mean, he's a great teammate. He's a great friend. Um, and he's a, he is a really good man. I mean, he truly is. I mean, I think he's reserved enough that people may think he kind of turns people off. But, no, he is – He's energetic. He's enthusiastic. He's charismatic. I mean, he's I mean, he's he's hilarious. I mean, he he's got a lot going. He's extremely intelligent, um, and so fun to just be around every day. He truly was. I'll let you go on this one. So Joe Moore had also coached you. Mm-hmm. What's your best story as far as Joe Moore had the college coach? <laughs> well, I'll just say this. I don't know if there's one particular one uh, or p- particular moment, but we had a lot of fun. You know, we have. We'll have, and as you guys get around practice, you'll probably start hearing some stuff, you know, you know, things that past coaches say or what or whatnot. So we, we have a lot of fun together, I'll say that. And we like, you know, if you want to call it mimicking our former coaches, guys like great coaches like Walt Harris and J.D. Brooker, things that they would say all the time. And we, we have a lot of fun with it. And it's it's in good intentions and and because we believe in it too, you know. So so he and I we have a ton of those and we, we love we we love working with each other. We did when when I was 22 and we now we're 34 here. So now same. For those listening, of uh, Joe does have a great a lot of a great amount of respect for the Walt Harris's and the, yeah, and the J D Burkharts sure. of the world. But uh, Luke, thanks yeah. thanks for taking the time to chat with me. I really enjoyed talking with you and good luck to you this this year. All right, thanks man, appreciate it. All right, we're back and hopefully. You enjoyed that interview with Luke, or if not, you fast-forwarded if you're maybe an old <laughs> Miss fan or just not interested in listening to Luke Getzey speak. You did miss out on a pretty good interview, in my opinion, if you did, but I'm glad you're back with us nonetheless. As promised, we'll touch on some baseball quickly uh, before we get into a little bit uh, recruiting uh, baseball-wise for old Miss. What, what's going on? They're, they're, they're pretty good this year, huh? Yeah, the guys who went through their growing pains last year showing signs of maturity. Yeah, like Dillard. This, <laughs> your boy Dillard. Uh, but I think the guy What's who's he hitting this the year, most, 500 or something like that? <laughs> not yet. He's been struggling a little bit. Um, I know you're high on him, but he's been struggling a little bit. Greg Kessinger is the guy who's been stepping up and 
showing the most progress from year one to year two. He struggled at the plate the... last year, right? Yeah, yeah, but he's been killing it this season. <laughs> he's like he's the leadoff batter, and he's been doing really well. I think he had three hits uh, on Sunday against Long Beach in the series finale. They won that one 12 to one. They're ten and one this season, and um, they won a series despite getting Ryan Rollison's best game in the opener. I mean, the doubleheader on Saturday, which 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 was a positive sign, um, because you know Brady Feigl stepped up and pitched well. James MacArthur gave them five solid innings on Sunday, um, so they need those guys to kind of solidify the the back part of that rotation. And, you know, they won a close game in the second game, blew out Long Beach State in the third, took that series, or they're 10-1. Uh, they're number nine in the D1 baseball poll. They're number 12 in Baseball America. Um, so they, it's been a promising start to the season. Last year, those guys started 7-0. and Then they hit some adversity, and the, the season kind of tanked from there. This year, they're 8-0. They lost to Long Beach State in the series opener, and they bounced back with two nice wins over the weekend. Um, they have five home games this week, so they should pile up some more wins um, to the record and to the win column. Speaking about bouncing back, how about those Bulldogs? <laughs> Sweep uh, in a big uh, tournament weekend for them. Win three games against three pretty solid opponents. Houston, I think, is ranked somewhere in the top twenty-five. I don't, I don't recall exactly where they were heading into that game. But Sam Houston State's pretty good team, and Louisiana is a pretty solid team as well. And Mississippi State, I think a lot of people were surprised by that, myself included, a little bit, um, just because of how they looked previously. I mean, they lost to McNeese. I mean, that speaks for itself. And things were not looking good. And then all of a sudden you win three games and you go into a brand new stadium. And hey, SEC season starts in what, week or two? So who knows? Who knows? Um, but yeah, wild start though to this baseball season for Mississippi State. I remember what, two weeks ago when we were, we, in full disclosure, we were trying to do a pot, we were trying to do this podcast, right? And my phone just kept on going and going and going. And after a while, we're like, I was, we were just like, okay, this is actually like legitimate. <laughs> we uh, have, we to have to cancel to this. This is actually real. This is actually happening. That was the, that was pretty early in the, on the Monday too. Um, mm-hmm. More disclosure, we had, we were actually like ahead of schedule that day, and we were looking yeah. to get things done and feel accomplished with our lives. And um, yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> Your life got thrown in a tailspin. Yeah, so so it goes. I mean, we're still trying to be accomplished with life and feel good about ourselves. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, that was speaking a, of feeling good. Speaking of feeling good about themselves, should uh, Ole Miss or Mississippi State feel good about their recruiting classes right now? Uh, no, <laughs> not really. <laughs> Not right now. Um, here's my thing with Mississippi State. I don't want to speak about Ole Miss because I don't really know anything about their recruiting these days. Um, but with Mississippi State, and this isn't a knock on the new staff or whatever, 
I just get the impression that there's a wait and see approach with this with this new staff because of how new they are, and they weren't like well known names to the state or even to the SEC for that matter. A lot of them. I mean, yeah, you had you know Bob Shoup has been in the SEC before, but you know, Moorhead, Charles Huff, Luke Getze, Andrew Briner, Ted Luckaboo, all guys who a lot of people you know hadn't heard of before around here. So I think there's a wait and see approach. That said, this team wins the way that they're capable of winning and has a really good season. There ain't going to be any problems as far as recruiting goes. I think that win and you're pretty solid, like anything else, that would solve a lot of things because it's not as if people are rejecting them personally. I think actually it's quite quite the opposite. I think that from talking to a, uh, a few kids in the state and some coaches around the state in the high school ranks, a lot of people are really, really happy with these guys, um, with the way that they've approached recruiting here. And it seems like they've been pretty open. Communication has been solid. Uh, good experiences. Positive experiences. And I'm not really looking to quote anybody when I'm having these conversations either. So it's not as if it's all, you know, roses because nobody wants to say anything bad about anybody publicly. That's actually not the case. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just think that there's a wait-and-see approach here just with yeah. how things go. I yeah, think that's part of it. And Ole Miss. Just, if Ole Miss and Matt Luke, they show signs of progress and they win, you know, seven, eight games or whatever this year, then, you know, that'll be good for the recruiting class. Like, yeah, that'll be yeah, good for their, yeah. for, for their efforts. Like, it's just going to come down to – them showing showing promise and progress on the field um, in terms of d- finishing well in this recruiting class and doing well. Still, though, it, it's so complicated. What The complicating part of it, though, is that there's the fear of getting raided in the state, which doesn't happen to the level that it may happen to this year, usually, because the players mm-hmm. are just not that... They're, they're always good in the, in this state, but they're not at that elite four-star, five-star status for whatever like, reason. Yeah, like these kids are. Yeah, and this year's different. And so we've already seen it. We have see, we saw those two kids uh, commit to, to LSU, one of them being a kid from right down the block from me, uh, Zach Edwards. Um, so, yeah, it, that's a real it's, thing. That's going to happen. Alabama's going to get a kid. Georgia's going to get some kids. Alabama already has Georgia. a kid committed to them, too. The kid Turnage, last yeah, I checked, was still committed to them. So and, you know, That's Georgia, also why. I mean, like, kids. you have programs who are, who are established programs, a lot of history, vying for these kids with coaches uh, that they already know. Maybe not so much as a, as a Mississippi coach, but they know the name, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Um, look who we're talking about here, but... Yeah. yeah. USC's offering kids. Um, so there's a lot of eyes on Mississippi. A lot USC. Of eyeballs on this. I don't know yeah. if anybody's jumping to USC, but. <laughs> I'm just saying they've offered. They've um, offered. They're Clemson. the mix. Yeah, Cle- Clemson's offered kids. Um, so As long as the recruitments are wide open, it doesn't matter if you're 100%. <laughs> That's what I learned this week. Learn something new every day in recruiting. That's awesome. 
more than 100% committed, yet still wide open. That's what we try to be on All About That Egg as far as, I, as, far as our ideas go. So it was a pretty, I, I felt like trying to see if like this, if this episode like reached my expectations. I think, I think we almost got there. I, I try to set yeah. the bar high. Try to set, but that said, you know, we could always do better next week, which will, which is what we will try to do. Probably uh, talk a little bit about how spring football is going next week. See what the uh, SEC tournament meant for Mississippi State. Look ahead to the women's uh, chances in the NCAA tournament, all that type of stuff. Uh, any parting words from you before we call this a day? Uh, not much right any now. Any exclusive picks uh, on that women's basketball search? <laughs> no, nothing Nothing right now. Good. Um, they're, st- they're still waiting to see. Uh, spring spring ball still early, only three practices practices in, only one with pads. Still, uh, still early in the women's basketball search, and we'll see what happens in uh, the men's basketball search. So, yeah. not much to offer now. We'll end it right there then. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we post our podcast all about that egg on ClarenLunger dot com, where you can find it. If you don't catch it there, we also tweeted out the direct link to either SoundCloud or iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, and. Wherever you are listening to us, we're grateful for you choosing to do that. So thank you, and we will chat with you guys again next week.